belong in the Bible. That had to do with the collection by the people of God. And this has come under attack today, and it's the question I want to address tonight. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. This is a program that presents the truth of Jesus Christ and answers the sometimes difficult questions that all of us ask about God. And we want to remind you that there are a multitude of resources available online at evidenceandanswers.org. There you'll find everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Check it out today. Today on Evidence and Answers, Dr. Pat Zuckerin welcomes Dr. Norman Geisler, one of the leading defenders of the Christian faith, as he addresses the issue of the canonicity of the Bible. In other words, what books belong in the New Testament canon and which do not. This is a two-part series. Let's conclude today with part two. The Da Vinci Code uh, purported to be a novel, but was more than a novel. Missionaries left the field after reading it. Pastors gave up their pulpits after reading it. The Da Vinci Code actually undermined the Christian faith. Now, what about all of these books? And I went through those because I wanted you to see with your own eyes what these people are saying was part of the early revelation equal if not superior to the Bible. For example, the second and third century of the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of the Ebionites, Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of the Egyptians, Gospel of James, Gospel of Philip, uh, Gospel of Judas, a fragment of which, uh, a copy of which was found. Remember last uh, year, what was known from the second century, the time of Irenaeus, the Gospel according to Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Truth, the Gospel of the Hebrews, the Gospel of uh, Matthias, the Gospel of the Twelve, the Gospel of Eve, and the Gospel of Perfection. So we've known of these. There are two big books on my shelf called the Apocrypha, and scholars have known of these for years. They're second and third century frauds. They weren't written by the apostles. They're written by uh, cults, primarily uh, Gnostic-type cults, and they were never considered to be first century writings, and they were never considered to be part of the Bible. Were there 80 Gospels? No. Uh, Were any other Gospels authentic? No. And to show that they weren't authentic, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to show you by quotations from the Gospels themselves. They had false claims to be written, Uh, by apostles and authors who were long dead. So right there, if a hundred years from now, somebody says, I, Norman L. Geisler, am writing uh, this book, you know it's a fraud because I've been long dead a hundred years from now. And so it was with these apocryphal gospels. They had false miracle claims. The Bible tells us an authentic first century book, John, tells us that the first miracle Jesus did was turning water to wine. That's the first miracle in Cain of Galilee. That means he didn't do any miracles before he was 30 years of age. That means that all of these apocryphal gospels that have miracles of Jesus when he was a child, like cutting off a board in his dad's carpenter shop too short and just stretching it out, like smiting the neighborhood kids with blindness. Uh, All of these apocryphal stories never happened because the first miracle he did when he was 30 They had false claims about biblical events. They make false claims about things in the Bible. They had false teachings throughout their pages, of which I'll give you numerous illustrations. They had heresies on God called pantheism. There were New Agers in the first century, the second century. Heresies on God. Listen to this one. The Lord called out and cried, My power, O power, 
thou hast forsaken me. Clearly apocryphal. Jesus cried out, my father, father, why have you forsaken me? Irenaeus, one of the earliest fathers who was familiar with these writings because he lived during this very period, the middle of the second century, around 150 to 180 AD. He said, indeed, they have arrived at such a pitch of audacity as to entitle their comparatively recent writing, The Gospel of Truth. Though it agrees in nothing with the Gospels of the Apostles, so they have really no gospel which is not full of blasphemy. Irenaeus, who was a contemporary of it, knew these writers, knew these writings, and called it utterly blasphemous. Eusebius, the great church father of the uh, early 4th century, called these apocryphal books totally impious and absurd. This is the earliest church history written uh, by a uh, Christian. J. Donaldson, editor of the Antinocene Fathers, the early fathers of this period, said the predominant impression which they leave on our minds is a profound sense of the immeasurable superiority and unapproachable simplicity and majesty of the Bible, the canonical writings. If you piled all of these apocryphal books on one side of the table and put the Bible on the other side of the table, what you get is a profound sense of the superiority and majesty of the Bible itself. Edwin Yamauchi, that uh, uh, was referred to last night, uh, one of the greatest scholars uh, in the world today on the second century and this period, said the apocryphal gospels even the earliest and soberest among them can hardly compare with the canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The former are all patently secondary and legendary or obviously slanted. The extra canonical literature taken as a whole manifests a surprising poverty. The bulk of it is legendary and bears the clear marks of forgery. How we can accept a novel and millions of people read it and pastors leave the pulpit and missionaries the mission field based on a novel, the Da Vinci Code, uh, who says what is directly contrary to the historical facts in the Bible is beyond my imagination. So were there 80 other gospels? No. Were any other gospels authentic? No. Was there an original gospel of Q? No. Da Vinci just struck out. Three pitches and you're out. The Gospel of Q, what is that? Q from the German word Coella for meaning source. Supposedly the earliest gospel, maybe even written by Jesus, that said he was purely human and not the Son of God. Did it exist? The answer is we don't have a single manuscript. Now we have 5,700 manuscripts of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the other books. 5,700. And we have zero manuscripts of Q. None. Nil. Absolutely none. Secondly, how many quotes do we have from Q? We have 36,000 quotations. Remember last night. By the early fathers of the New Testament, every verse but 11 verses in the Bible, mostly from 3 John, how many quotations do we have from Q? Zero. None. Now how a book that has no man left no manuscripts that was never quoted by the early fathers can be exalted as the book is beyond reasonable imagination. 
in fact, is a purely hypothetical source. Purely hypothetical. Exists only in the minds of liberal and critical biblical scholars. Was there an original gospel of Q? No. The grounds for positing it are unproven. What are the grounds for speculating there was a Q? The Q hypothesis supposes that Mark wrote first, but all the early fathers say Matthew wrote first. Now how all the early fathers of the second, third, and fourth century in unbroken line back to the apostles, some of whom known the apostles, knew the apostles like uh, Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, how all of those could be wrong. And modern scholars say that Mark wrote first when all of those said Matthew wrote first. You'll have to decide for yourself. Matthew and Luke copied from Mark, but Matthew was an eyewitness and Luke was based on eyewitnesses. How could Matthew and Mark, Matthew and Luke, be copying from Mark? Why would Matthew have to copy? He was a tax collector. He was used to keeping records. He's the guy who has the long discourses, the long discourse on parables, Matthew 13, on the Mount Olivet Discourse, 24 and 25, Sermon on the Mount, 5 through 7. How could he be copying when he was an eyewitness and record uh, keeper? What Matthew and Luke agreed on, but was not in Mark, came from Q. Not so. Luke came from eyewitness testimony. And if Luke came from eyewitness testimony, it was written by 61, Matthew and Mark must have been written before that in the 50s uh, based on the same eyewitness testimony. Uh, Matthew was an eyewitness and John was an eyewitness as we said last night. Jesus never claimed deity. Yes, he did. Uh, all of these are presuppositions of the gospel of Q. All of them false. All of them contrary to the facts contrary to the New Testament, and contrary to early church history. Miracles are not credible. Well, of course, if God doesn't exist, then miracles aren't credible. But if the God who created this universe, if the first verse of the Bible is true, then every other verse is believable. Why? Because there's nothing harder to believe than that God made something from nothing. And all the scientific evidence of modern astrophysics, read Robert Jastrow, an agnostic astronomer who says it's a scientifically proven fact that supernatural forces were at work. Now, if agnostic astronomers are saying Genesis 1-1 is literally true, and Bible scholars are saying it's hypothetical, guess who's closer to the facts? And if God created something from nothing, he has no problem making something from something. I was talking to a skeptic once. He said, I can't believe the Bible. I said, why? He said, the miracles. I said, name one. He said, turning water to wine. I said, it happens all the time. He said, what do you mean? Well, it rains. It goes down into the roots of the uh, grapevine and up into the grape, and the grape turns into wine. All Jesus did was speed it up a little bit. He said, I never thought of that. You see, if God can make water out of nothing, there is no problem in making wine out of water. Everything in this book is credible. The God of the universe exists. Jesus' body did not rise from the dead. Yes, it did. See the end of every gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. Eyewitness contemporary testimony 
including 500 people, 12 different occasions, a total of 500 plus people saw him, heard him, touched him, handled him, saw the empty grave, saw the grave clothes, saw the scars in his hand, ate with him four times. It's literally impossible that all of that uh, could not support the resurrection. Converted Q scholar, Edda Lineman. I love Edda Lineman. Little tiny German lady with a little bun back there. She was a student of the top two liberal scholars in the world, Boltmann and Debelius. She taught Q. She taught higher criticism the German university. And some of her students witnessed to her. They shared Jesus with her. And guess what? She got saved. And when she got saved, she trashed all of her books, put a sign on the door saying, my books that I've written are trash. I suggest you trash them too. And I'm going to the mission field. And she went to Indonesia as a missionary. Praise God for her conversion. She was a student of uh, Rudolf Boltmann. She taught negative criticism in the German universities. When converted to Christ, she trashed her books and went to the mission fields, and she has since written several books defending the New Testament. And one of the things she wrote is, is there a gospel of Q? And her answer, no, there is no Q. Is there a synoptic problem that all these scholars talk about? She wrote a whole book. No, there is no problem. You got four eyewitnesses telling exactly what they saw. And these eyewitnesses said that Jesus was not just human. He claimed that he was God and his disciples claimed that he was God. Mark chapter 2. Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes replied and said, Why does this man blaspheme like this? Who can forgive sins but God only? Even according to the liberal view that Mark is the earliest gospel, you have a deity claim there in Mark. Mark chapter 14, when Jesus was before the high priest, the high priest asked, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest ripped his garment, saying he blasphemes. Jesus claimed to be God. Matthew 16, Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. John chapter 8, verse 58 Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, and they fell backward, noting that he had uh, committed blasphemy because Moses said the I am was God. John 10, 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And they took up stones to stone him. Now here you have the earliest account, the earliest known record of eyewitnesses and contemporaries saying, Jesus was not just a man. He claimed to be God. His disciples said the same thing. They said, go and baptize all nations in the name, singular, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all three part of the same God. In John 20, 28, Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus never rebuked him. He said, uh, you're blessed and so others who have not seen but yet believe. Paul in one of the early books that even the critics accept in Romans 9, said Christ 
is overall the eternally blessed God. Now if you have the earliest apostles saying, for by him were all things created, and in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2.9 and 1.16, and Titus 2.13, looking for the great God and our Savior. In Hebrews 1.6, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And 1.8 says, but unto the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Jesus claimed to be God. His disciples claim he's God. Not hundreds of years later, but immediately, on the spot. Da Vinci is wrong. There weren't 80 other Gospels. There were no other authentic Gospels. There was no Q. And the early Gospels taught that Jesus was more than human. He was God. Did Constantine form our Bible? No. Constantine did not finance and support the Bible. And the, con and the consul that was held was not a consul on the canon of Scripture. It was a consul on the deity of Christ. Uh, who chose the books? Historically, Constantine did not. No church consul spoke to this issue during his reign. None. Da Vinci is totally ignorant of the facts here. His consul, that is Constantine's, was the consul of Nicaea. 325. But it was on the deity of Christ. It wasn't on the canon of Scripture. It had nothing to do with which books belonged in the Bible. And the vote wasn't close. Da Vinci said it was a real close vote. Now, would you call 316 to 2 close? Da Vinci had the wrong vote. It wasn't close. It was 316 to 2. And he had the wrong issue. It wasn't the canon of Scripture. It was the deity of Christ. Here's the Nicene Creed that came from that. And here are the great statements in blue. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, and so on. Which books belong to the Bible? Who chose the books? Historically, Constantine did not. Theologically, we have to make a distinction. Why do we have only 27 books in the New Testament? The answer is because God only inspired 27. 2 Timothy 3.16 says the book has to be breathed out by God. Every word proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if God had inspired 28 books, there would be 28 in the New Testament. He only inspired 27. That's why we only have 27. Who discovered this? The people of God. God determined which books would be in the Bible. The people of God discovered which books. How did they do it? They looked for the fingerprints of God. And here are the questions they asked. Was the book written by a prophet of God, like an apostle or associate of an apostle? Was it confirmed by acts of God? If there was any question whether he was an apostle, could he do miracles? Paul said, I showed you the signs of an apostle, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Moses did miracles to prove that he was a prophet. Elijah did miracles to prove he was a prophet. Did the book tell the truth about God? Does it contradict previous revelations given by God? Did the book have the power of God? Could people get saved uh, and edified through reading uh, the book and then was the book collected by the people of God these were the five earmarks of an inspired book and the books that K 
came from a prophet of God, confirmed by acts of God, telling the truth about God, having the life-transforming power of God, and were collected by the people of God immediately. They're the books we have in the Bible, and there are only 27 in the New Testament. When did this happen? Immediately, before 100 AD, as the books were written. In Colossians 4.16, Paul said, get the book coming from Laodicea and read that one. Second Peter 3.15, Paul had all of, or Peter had all of Paul's writings already collected, didn't wait hundreds of years. First Timothy 5.18 quotes the gospel. Here's an epistle quoting the gospel. They were already considered. By 128 AD, this is only 20 years after the time of the first century, virtually all the New Testament was cited all but a couple of one-chapter books. By 170 A.D., all the New Testament was recognized by the Church Father. It didn't take three or 400 years. They weren't debating uh, this issue uh, 400 years later or voting on it with colored marbles or colored beads. Uh, they knew which books were accepted by the apostles. Eventually, of course, by 400 A.D., all the New Testament was accepted by the church. And I don't care if it's the Eastern Church, the Roman Catholic Church, Protestant Church, every section of Christianity agrees unanimously that these 27 books are the only books that were written by apostles and contemporaries of Jesus that were inspired, and, and they alone are the Word of God. The... Uh, proof of that is a chart that I don't have time to go through. I only note to, uh, that if you look at the dates of the people and the number of books, that what I said on the previous one is true, summarized on the bottom. All New Testament books, but 3 John, are cited by the time of Irenaeus, 130 and following. All New Testament books are cited by the time of the Muratorian Canon, 170 A.D., all New Testament books were accepted by the church as a whole by 393 before 400 A.D. Now, an important distinction. A difference between immediate exception and gradual di a discussion and ultimate recognition. Why was there a debate later? Because the apostles were dead. You couldn't run up to Jerusalem and say, Hey, Paul, did you write Hebrews? Hey, Peter, did you write Second Peter? After the eyewitnesses died, it took longer to confirm the authorship of a book in other locations, the East and the West. False writings and heretical books started popping up in the second century, and a heretic called Marcion had a, a Bible with only uh, the uh, uh, books of Luke and 10 of uh, Paul, and so that stimulated Christians to say, uh, we've got to find out what is a complete New Testament. Is the New Testament complete? Yes, Jesus promised it. He said the Holy Spirit is going to lead you unto all truth. The apostles and associates confirmed it by writing 27 inspired books. The 27 New Testament books are the only record of apostolic teaching. There is no other record of any other book from the first century than these 27 books. The Christian church has confirmed it. East and West. North and South, Roman Catholic and, and otherwise, has uh, confirmed that these books are the uh, books that God inspired for the New Testament. The providence of God assures it. 
Can you imagine a God who created the universe, who had advanced planning in the anthropic principle of seeing the emergence of human life from the inception of the universe? Can you imagine him not providentially preserving the books that he had inspired? God always completes what he begins. He always preserves what he produces. Hence, he would not produce a book for the faith and practice of the church that he didn't preserve for the church for all times. Isaiah put it best. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And if you have a Bible in your hands, you have the word of God in your hands, complete and full. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Well, thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers today with Pat Sukarin. And our prayer is that we answer the hard questions that all of us ask and that we equip you to know what you believe and why you believe it. And if you're a seeker or a skeptic, we hope we've challenged you with the various evidences which support the claims of Christ. There are a multitude of resources available on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Interviews with leading scholars, past shows that you can download, and we deal with topics from atheism to Zen Buddhism to Islam to the occult, the cults, agnosticism, and contemporary issues which face us today. And by the way, when you purchase our resources, you keep Pat Zuckerman speaking out all over the world. Help support a quality apologetics program for radio and podcast and Pat's speaking engagements on college campuses and churches all over the world. Evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. Evidenceandanswers.org. For Pat Zuckerin, I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers.